This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. And without further ado, here, now, Nanak of the North. Good morning, Zeb. How are you? Oh, it was a blowing, snowing, a uh, little bit of a slick drive out here today. You turned into an NASCAR driver. Uh, yeah, no, I was a very <laughs> slow driver. <laughs> very careful. <laughs> I took a little extra time to they make sure I say, got here. When you go into a skid, steer into it. And I always thought that was like leaning into a right cross. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily I didn't have to try that method out. So, What's going on in your world? Well, uh, today we're going to talk about something that uh, not very many people know about, oh, and really? that's the runners, the American or the uh, Indians that were what we call runners. Runners. Of the Native, yeah, the Native Americans. You mean they left the teepee and just started they, running? The, yeah, you'll see what I'm talking about. There's uh, uh, Actually, there's stories about uh, the running deeds of some of these American Indians, and I hadn't really heard much about this. But, huh. uh, for example, uh, there's a documented case of Navajos chasing down deer by utilizing relays of these really fast runners. Really? In, in relay, yeah. An Apache band, which included children and sometimes the older people, would cover more than 70 miles on foot Ooh. in less than 24 hours to escape the U.S. Cavalry. Was it kind of like a relay race? Uh, well, when they were chasing down the deer, yeah. But other places, they were just running to get away or uh, to escape. Well, let me ask you a dumb question. When they go out to hunt like that, did they put braves in various positions? I think they did, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then there's an extreme game actually played by the Southwest Indians in which teams of runners kick a ball, uh, kind of a soccer-like ball, around a 20-mile cross-country course. You kick a ball for 20, for 20 miles? miles. you got to be nuts. Just like from here to Oakley, Zeb. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the Apaches, the Navajos, the Mojave Indians, uh, uh, they don't take a backseat to any other tribe when it comes to running. Oh, we know. The Mojaves of the Mojave Desert, and folks... Uh, to clarify that, Mojave Indians 
is spelled M O H A V E S. The Mojave Desert is M O J A V E. Just to yeah. keep that straight. Okay. But uh, anyway, there were some twenty thousand of these uh, people living along the Colorado River in the early sixteenth century. But by seventeen seventy, there were only about three thousand of them. And this is kind of interesting. They grew. They actually irrigated. They grew corn, beans, pumpkins, wheat, melons, cotton along a narrow strip of land. This fertile land all along the, the Colorado River. Hmm. And it's not too far from present-day Needles, California. I've been there. You, you know where oh, that yeah. is. Yep. Yeah. Hot. Yeah. Hot. But, you know, and today, actually, they farm those uh, lowlands using tractors and, and modern equipment. Yeah. So, but the you Mo- don't see too many white people out there running. <laughs> no, you don't. The, the Mojave runners of the old days, though, uh, they faced some challenges. Uh, as soon as they got away from the Colorado River... Then they hit the southwestern deserts, the Yuma, the Sonora, uh, the Mojave, of course. And, you know, Zeb down there, they only get like five inches of rain in a year. If, yeah. And it can get up to 115 degrees. And the only thing that grows is cactus and bushes and Gila monsters and scorpions. And, and why, would, why would they want to run? <laughs> well, if you saw a rattlesnake, wouldn't you run? Yeah. It brings up a point. You yes. know, as much as they ran through the desert and walked through the desert, and the kids were playing and everything. It's amazing a lot more didn't get bit. Right. I think they knew how to be careful. That's just what I'm thinking. Oh. They knew how to be careful where they stepped and where they walked. I see. But there was an, a U.S. Army captain named uh, Bork, and he arrived there in 1886 on his way to Fort Mojave, uh, which was a U.S. Army post in western Arizona Territory. Mm-hmm. Bork actually hired a Mojave runner to deliver a message. And here's what he said, quote, The runner whom I dispatched at Fort Mojave went 21 miles over a heavy sandy road between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. The ca- That's not very long. Three hours? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then he goes on to say, this was regarded as so common a performance as to be worth but $2 for the round trip. It was just a normal thing. The guy ran it for two bucks? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, has inflation changed that. Yeah. So, Bork's runner was typical of the Mojave runners. Uh, a mess- uh, He was a messenger is what he was. So, he went to a destination point. Right. Turned around. And came back. Yeah. So, they were messengers is what they were. So, in the Mojave culture, runners were a highly regarded group whose job it was to carry messages among the Mojaves themselves, as well as with other tribes along the desert routes. What did they wear for footwear? You know, I don't know, but I'm assuming they had to wear some kind of a a good moccasin, a good heavy moccasin. But the Mojaves were governed by a chief who relied on the deliberations of a council of old and experienced men of the tribe, actually chiefs or captains of smaller bands. So these leaders kept in touch with each other through this system of these really fast young messengers. So they would say, okay, I got a message for Chief Wampum Stompum. Right. And the runner would take off, and maybe the next village is 20 miles away, and he'd expect an uh, answer in three hours. And a message coming back whenever. So the communications network gave the Mojaves kind of a unity and a base for power with which they were able to keep the surrounding tribes uh, kind of uh, at bay, so to speak. So there is truth to the old saying, moccasin telegraph. Yes. Yeah, I had not heard that term, but that is, yeah, that's that's a good term. 
Uh, that makes sense. Oh. But this Captain Bork was also impressed by the reputation of another runner in Needles, and the uh, his name was uh, Pantacha, and he could run from Fort Mojave to the Mojave Reservation 100 miles away between sunrise and sunset. He could beat a horse in speed, it was said. He would stay at the reservation for only a little while and then start back for Needles. And they said he could make the round trip inside of 24 hours. Oh, come on. Hey, that's... I think your history book is... (laughs) Zeb, these guys could outrun horses. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, wow. and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about wow. that. So there's a guy named Gerald Smith who wrote uh, a history of the Indians uh, of the Mojave uh, uh, in San Bernardino, and he gives some insights uh, about the Mojave travel. And he said, quote, Frequently they traveled down the Colorado River to visit and trade with their allies, the Yuma. They regularly traveled west across the desert up the Mojave River and over the San Bernardino Mountains to trade with coast Indians as far away as Santa Barbara. Wow. This would be a distance close to 400 miles, half of it across the Mojave Desert. When I left on my cruise out of Santa Barbara Harbor, I didn't see anybody. You didn't see anybody. Well, you didn't look. <laughs> so, but th- th- this, you know, and you know the Mojave Desert. I mean, there were settlers and miners that died trying to cross. Leading that a desert. mule walking. Right, yeah. But he goes on to say, quote, small scattered bands of Indians inhabited the Mojave Desert. Desert and the mountains to the west, but none dared offer much resistance to the hardy Mojave runners, did the they, travelers. Did they carry food or water? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, too, and it's going to be surprising to you, I think. The Mojave men uh, thought nothing of traveling, traveling 100 miles in one day. And it goes on to say, quote, with a steady, easy jogging trot, the Mojaves covered Southern California to trade and visit uh, with others. Some of the Mojave uh, men were known to have traveled for as long as four days in the desert without food. You gotta be kidding me. So, now, while traveling, the Mojave runners, uh, as you can imagine, they, they quickly learned the geography. They could trace maps in the sand that would indicate where every spring, every stream. They could also remember how much water could be found at each location. They could tell how long a journey took by uh, pointing to positions of the sun in the sky. And knowing these things were necessary for their survival. And, uh, 
so they, you know, it's an amazing thing. They had knowledge of where to go, where to stop, and how much water would be at a certain spring. Or, kind of like a Pony Express route. In a way, yeah. So, but, so you said, what about food on the trail? Yeah. Okay. So while the Mojaves grew most of their food along the Colorado River, they also harvested the beans of the wild mesquite, which they ground into a meal. And sometimes this meal was mixed with water and rolled into balls for trail-side snacks. The sugar-laden moisture could be sucked from the dough when needed in the desert. So they've got this dough ball soaked in water. Boy, I can't wait for lunch. (laughs) Sounds good to me. So rations for a war party are described by another authority uh, on the Mojaves. And he says, quote, each man carried a gourd of water and a gourd of wheat, which furnished his sole substance, subsistence for 15 days. Now, you mentioned horses. Horses were rarely used in war travel. In fact, they seem to have been kept chiefly just for food and for show. The Mojave move across the country in a trot that carries them over long distances. Now, no, wait a minute. All the Mojaves? Well, no, these just the runners. Just the runners. And, but war parties were made up of, of runners. Okay. And he goes on to say the Mojaves would occasionally chew bits of the willow in order to keep their mouth moist. Uh, the Indians of the Southwest very rarely drank water while on the march. They preferred to put a uh, in the mouth a stone or a twig to induce the flow, flow of sal- saliva, according to this historian. Wow. So more likely the Mojaves drank water, obviously, whenever they got a chance. But so, I mean, they didn't prefer a stone or a twig. I just can't envision running that distance and then sitting down for about five minutes and turning around and running back. Yeah, and, and going again. So anyway, uh, you know, certain young men of the traditional Mojave culture were designated as runners. Really? So not just everybody was a runner. So you were picked, you were picked. No, I would not be picked. No, I mean. Oh, the person was picked. Yeah, the Indians, yes. if the chief looked at you and said, you're going to be a runner, you're a runner. Right. Okay. The, the, the person was, but they had to prove themselves, too. So I think I'd develop a bad ankle. Yeah. The Mojave culture was designated. They were designated as runners. And it's doubtful that they were able to make a living uh, carrying messages. So they still uh, did agriculture. They still basically farmed and made uh, food and one thing or another. Okay, now i got a dumb question for you. Okay. They didn't do this every day. Oh, no. No, it's just when messengers or messengers were needed to go from, say, one yeah, tribe to another. I mean, the another. poor guy's going to run himself right down to skin and right. bones. Yeah. So uh, the specialists within the tribe, such as these runners, uh, the, the the chiefs, the uh, doctors would probably practice their crafts along with uh, farming activities and fishing from the river. So they didn't just make a living running. They did, like, say, fishing and farming, things like that. Did they test these guys to make Somewhat. sure they could do it? Yeah. So... Young boys in Mojave society, according to an author, a guy named George Devereux, uh, were encouraged to race one another, both ceremonially and informally. And, you know, you could, by the time they were men, they were well trained for travel. So one young Mojave warrior was determined to excel as a runner after being forced to dress as a woman as punishment for running away during a fight with the Apaches. Oh, my. His consistent training brought him notoriety, particularly after he reportedly egged a team of horses in a race of some 50 miles to Fort Mojave. Oh, my He outran 
a team of horses. A team of horses. Yeah. Yeah. So now, did I mean, they keep the same steady gait? Th- that's what they say. Just a steady, slow, or not slow, but a steady trot, and probably never really broke out into really a what you'd call a sprint. You know, no. because you know, uh, you know. So run, it's kind of the tortoise and the hare theory. Yeah. Right. Just keep going. So the Mojaves became middlemen in the trade between other Indian tribes, extending like 800 miles from Santa Fe, New Mexico, to Los Angeles, to uh, even up into Bakersfield. They ran that far? Yeah, they would trade and carry goods even. I mean, 300 miles to the north, up to Bakersfield, uh, which we know now. But the so-called Mojave Indian Trail... As you mentioned, the the Moccasin Trail, yeah. this is maybe another name for it, but it went across the Mojave Desert, up the Mojave River, past present-day Barstow and Victorville, mm-hmm. over Cajon Pass in the San Bernardino Mountains, and down into San Bernardino Valley, Holy and God. became the main route of supply for the famous 20-mule team freight wagons. Death Valley that, days. That went, yeah. yeah, and the supplied miners, you know, in the 1800s. So these crossings had long been routine for the Mojaves, who they transported shells, beads, salt, turquoise, which was kind of the trade item that you would use during the during the day. And in 1819, a band of uh, some rowdy uh, killed, uh, Indians killed some Spanish soldiers that were stationed in the San Bernardino Valley. And there's a guy named Gerald Smith that describes this expedition uh, outfitted by the commandant uh, to punish the renegades. Uh, he says that uh, on this, when, when they were trying to chase them, you know, during a three-week chase, they just, you know, they had cold, they had heat, and basically the uh, runners just outrun them. They could never catch up with, and they had horses. Wow. But uh, the guy, he goes on to say, we suffered in the night from severe cold with the north wind. That's what I was going to ask you about. Did they take anything for protection? I don't know. You know, uh, if anything, maybe nothing more than just a shawl-like blanket or something. Wow. You know? But he said the cold, the wind, he says it went on day after day. Uh, they followed Mojave's, uh, uh, the Mojave Indian Trail down the Mojave River. When did they stop this and try to take the interstate? <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> the expedition's horses uh, that were chasing them couldn't go any farther. They didn't have water. They didn't have anything to eat. And so they turned back. They never did catch the, wow. these guys. Now, this is what year you're talking uh, about? The late 1800s. <clears throat> so the late 1800s. But, but it started way before that yeah but the runners were still going in the latter 1800s 1800s. now my question would be for you and you that knows everything uh are there descendants of those tribes today that maybe can talk about their great great grandfathers you know where it's the late 1800s i mean my great my grandfather's born in the late 1800s so there's got to be grandkids and great grandkids that would know about their ancestors that were runners what caused them to stop, uh, I think just modern travel, getting run over by a Mack by truck a bus, or something. You know? Yeah, but um, wow, you know the the lack of success of these guys who were the Spaniards trailing these other runners. Uh, you know they could only uh, go maybe eighteen to thirty miles, and the the runners could do three times that. Uh, you know, so they took off in a kind of a not a, a run, a full out run, but kind of a jog, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, 
Wow. You know, you think about this. I mean, all you got to do, folks, is drive across the Mojave Desert now. Oh, man. Get out of your car in the middle of the summer. No way. And just walk about 100 feet. That's enough. Yeah. And yeah. you know that. Just don't get run over by an Indian. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just amazing what these guys did. And the thing I also found interesting, I read another article about the farming practices. Yeah. And they actually dug uh, ditches and For irrigation and laterals that would come off these main ditches, almost like what we do today with the, wow. with the uh, a main canal. And what tribes were these? The Mojaves was one of the main ones. I see. But there were others that did uh, irrigation. And raised all kinds of, of crops. I don't think we give them at all the credit for as advanced their civilization, civilization oh. really was. Well, and I've talked to you before about uh, the medicine oh, that yes, they had, yes, things yes. that have long been forgotten that were more effective than some some things we have today. Well, they were a tough people. I mean, you're going to take off all by yourself, and yeah. you're going to cover 100 miles of desert. Right. I mean, all by yourself. Yes. What happens if you break a leg, a yeah. toe, whatever? You're out there, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these were amazing athletes, really. Oh, I mean, yeah. you think about an athlete. I want to find out more about these. What are they calling them? The Mojave Runners? Is that right. what they call them? Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. Uh, this is just a kind of a picture, but I mean, it really doesn't show you much. We ought to see if we couldn't find somebody a that might be a descendant. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you know, running in good weather, you yeah. know, uh, with is, your is Nikes di- on. Yeah, is different. I mean, like the uh, uh, runs they do today, the marathons and one thing and another. Yeah. But. To do that across the desert? No, you used to run a lot, didn't you? I did do some, like, 5Ks and a few things like really? that. But Okay, now, can you imagine doing this? Oh, not a, not at all. Not To in, carry a message for two bucks? Yeah, and in weather, over 100 degrees weather, you know, and then if they kept going, I don't know if they ran at night or not, but, oh you know, then goodness. it gets down to cold, cold weather at night. Yeah. And they were called the Mojave Runners. Mojave. Is there a book or anything written about them? Uh, there, um, there's this guy named Gerald Smith wrote the Mojave Historic Indians of San Bernardino County, and so there is a book uh, that wow. I might could find that uh, goes into more detail about. This. I'd like to know more about that, and we ought to see if we couldn't find a descendant. That would be wonderful. Ooh. Find somebody that actually could tell us. Real stories about now, that. I enjoyed that story this morning. Well, I thought it was interesting just because you and I are both uh, follow athletics, yeah. and this is a major athletic event in a wow. way. How would you like to be the coach of a high school cross country team? And you said, Okay, now, Johnny, you got to run 100 miles <laughs> for practice <laughs> and be here tomorrow morning. Yeah, just, and that's just for practice and yeah. don't miss school tomorrow. Yeah, be, be in class at 8 15. Yeah, wow, great story. Thank you. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.